11 pounds. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. And I don't know about you guys, but I have absolute rookie fever going on. And that's what we're going to talk about here a little bit today. Uh, we had a guest planned, but instead we were going to have Thor Nystrom. We're going to go over his mock draft from NBC Sports Edge. And I'm just excited to go over this, Mung, because starting to see some of these names with landing spots really just makes me amped up for rookie drafts. It makes me realize we are literally going to be drafting in less than two months here. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, guys? You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And it's pretty crazy. I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle here. Uh, I've been updating my dynasty rankings almost daily over at Fantrax. And uh, as soon as I'm done with something, I feel like another trader signing goes down. And in just about a month, uh, we're going to need to start putting in all these rookies as well, which is going to be a whole nother process. But it's uh, it's a fun off season, and uh, it never stops. This has been the craziest off season, and I think it's promoted even more trades. I mean, I don't know about you, but like my DMs and and everything that's been going on on Twitter has been going crazy because people are like, "What do I do with Devonte Adams? What do I do with Tyree Kill?" There's talk about Stefan Diggs getting traded. There's just so much going on right now, and it's like. Everyone wants to get ahead of the curve, and that's why we have such great rookie analysis. You know, and tonight I'm excited because you and I get to talk rookies. You know, we've had some fantastic guests on. Uh, next week we're gonna have Angelo from Angelo Analysis. In two weeks, you know, we, we're gonna have Matt Waldman, I and mean, we got some great rookie analysis coming up here. But tonight we're gonna hit you with ours. You know, we're gonna talk about Thor's um, three round rookie mock. This is. 3.0. This is his third one. He just keeps updating it, and the closer we get to the NFL draft, the more they're going to update it. But what we're going to do is we're just going to break things down. We're going to talk about where players go, what that would mean for you know the rest of the team, whose stock's up, stock down, and, and then at the end, we're really going to hit you guys up with a fun little exercise when it comes to combining 2021 and 2022 wide receiver rookies and sophomores and see who we prefer. So let's just jump right into it, Monk. Um, the first guy off the board, you know, it, when we talk about skill pos- position players, is the Detroit Lions taking Malik Willis. Now, we've talked about when this process started where Malik Willis was a fringe first rounder. Now he's moved all the way up to second overall to the Detroit Lions here, which I kind of like. I mean, we've been talking about some of the weapons there in Detroit with Hawkinson and Swift and, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Now they got DJ Chark and all those guys could get unlocked, but I think this year this kind of gives us a situation where Jared Goff would still re, you know, be the starter at least for the six, first six to eight games. And then Malik Willis has a, a veteran there that he can learn from, that he can eventually take over the reins. And what you and I both know with the tools that he has, the upside is phenomenal. Yeah, that seems to be the direction that the NFL has been moving the last few years. They see these potentially raw quarterbacks like Willis, who still has a ways to go in his development. But at the same time, they see the physical tools and traits that they possess, and they really kind of project for what their ceiling could be in the league, right? So I I think this would make a lot of sense for Detroit. And certainly, I think they're building in a good direction to draft a quarterback at two if they want to. 
Um, I, I this makes me really nervous for Amon Ross St. Brown though. I, I've had my reservations on him. And one of the good things for St. Brown so far has been that Jared Goff does tend to, you know, prefer those shorter eight out throws. Uh, he doesn't mm-hmm. quite push it down the field. And he also targets his slot guy a lot. Um, I don't know how much that changes when Willis comes in. I, I think that St. Brown will be fine. I just don't see the ceiling that a lot are projecting for him. Well, and I think you're, you're, you're right when you were talking, Willis. I mean, this is very similar. You and I have been comping him to Jalen Hurts from the, from the word go. And this would be a similar type situation where he gets to sit behind a little bit. Even, you know, like your boy Trey Lance, where it's a situation where we see some serious upside. And the Detroit Lions, you know, are ready to take, take that next step. they got to get their franchise quarterback. they got to get somebody in there. Um, I think for the early part, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Amon Ross St. Brown. But I think Jared Goff's still going to have a little bit a juice left just enough. And I feel like Malik Willis is a guy that could start, you know, by week eight, but almost better for him where this Detroit Lions team is not going to be a winner. It's almost better for him to sit and mature over the course of an entire year. And I think, you know, it's going to be one of those guys where Mung, it's tough, right? Cause we talked about Lance and we talked about those guys and it's tough to take them with that one oh one with a lot of guys like Brees Hall moving up boards and things like that, where, if you're in that super flex draft, he has to be the 101, but you almost get, you know, you get tempted a little bit because you don't want to sit on a guy for a year. Yeah, really what comes down to it is just in super flex, especially 12 or 14 team, the more teams you have, the quarterback position is just so important that it'd be hard for me to take Hall over Willis, um, given the upside. And, you know, like you said, we comped him to Jalen Hurts, but I do think that, you know, he's a little bit more accurate than Hurts already. So I I do think the ceiling and longevity could be there for Willis. Yeah, and I mean, last this is very similar to what I think of last year is most people, I mean, Trevor Lawrence almost went one in everyone, but I took Najee Harris, I had the 102 in three different drafts, and I took him over the quarterbacks. I ended up winning championships in all three of them because I got that immediate production. A lot of people are kind of thinking that way with Hall, but we'll talk about that later. Next, we move to Carolina at pick six, taking Kenny Pickett. Now, this I thought was a surprise. You know, we know Carolina needs a quarterback. They're not going to roll out there with Darnold, and and Kenny Pickett seems to be the most pro ready. We move him all the way up to pick six. What does that do for our superflex drafts? I mean, when you do most rookie mocks, Kenny Pickett is nowhere close to you know the top five. Now, all of a sudden, we see him go at pick six in the NFL draft. How high up does that move him for you? Yeah, I, well, I just, it doesn't really make sense for me that they would have taken J.C. Horn last year as early as they did when Mac Jones and Justin Fields were still available at that point, yeah. only to settle for a guy like Pickett in this draft exactly. a couple spots earlier. But, hey, look, I don't get paid tens of millions of dollars to manage <laughs> NFL teams, so maybe they know something I don't. But, I mean, yeah, I think Pickett, obviously, whoever goes in the top 10, right, is going to be a starting quarterback fairly soon, which is going to shoot them up draft boards, particularly in super flex formats. And I think you would be looking at a guy like Pickett um, or whoever goes to Carolina, probably in that top four, top five picks in super flex. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, and I feel like because because you're getting a situation where Kenny Pickett would jump in and start day one. I mean, he he has 
he's very pro ready. He kind of does a lot of things for the offense there. I believe he's would able to keep DJ Moore relevant. I mean, DJ Moore and a lot of people have in the top 10 of their dynasty wide receivers. We were all excited, hoping Watson went there. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, let, let's back off a little bit. But they get their quarterback. They take Pickett, you know, he's still going to be able to dump it off to Christian McCaffrey, keep that offense going. I mean, Kenny Pickett is not someone who I would describe as a, as a sexy pick, but if you need a quarterback, <laughs> and we talked about it, he moves into that area, and I feel like it definitely would be, because this quarter because this class is not super deep at running back, he kind of moves ahead of some of these wide receivers for me if he goes this early. Yeah, and really the, the quarterbacks behind Willis right now are in flux because I think their landing spots and particularly when they actually get drafted are going to uh, definitely come into play when we are ranking them in rookie drafts a month from now. Absolutely, I agree with that completely. Um, moving down to the 10th pick here, the New York Jets got their got their pick from Seattle and they take Garrett Wilson. Now, you know, they're... The next couple guys, there's about three wide receivers in that tier one now, and I feel like you and I both agree that there's been some moving around. Garrett Wilson to the Jets is what you know. If you have Zach Wilson, you got to be excited about that. You know, you got you're gonna have Garrett Wilson. You got Elijah Moore. I mean, there's some serious upside pieces put around Zach Wilson, giving him all the opportunity for the Jets, who are gonna be behind. They're gonna have negative game scripts, where I think that could be a pretty fun offense. With Michael Carter, with Garrett Wilson, you know, and and we start to put some pieces around Zach Wilson and see what he can do here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do because they have two top ten picks, um, and and my feeling is that I believe with pick four, Thor has them taking an edge. Yep, uh, Trayvon, Trayvon Walker. Walker. Yep, and my actually. I mean, we're talking about this mock draft, so I won't spend too much time on this, but I feel like they take an edge in an offensive lineman. Yeah. Um, because this is a strong lineman class, and they really need help there. I think they feel okay at receiver, given what they saw from Moore and Corey Davis. But obviously, if they do take a receiver here, uh, it would kind of hurt Elijah Moore and whoever they're taking, in this case, um, Wilson. But... Yeah, I just don't know that Zach Wilson has shown enough to really be able to support two top 12 guys. Uh, right. Maybe they could both be relevant still in fantasy, but obviously the ceiling would get capped a little bit, kind of like what happened to both Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill right after that trade. Yeah, and, and a lot of people are asking, and I, I think – Elijah Moore is the type of wide receiver who he's still going to get volume. You know, like I, Garrett Wilson is a guy who has some serious, serious upside. But I think Elijah Moore would still get volume in that offense. But it's not a high power offense. It could be a fun offense this year, but it's not anything that's super excited about. You know, and that's that's the interesting part. And when we talk about our mock draft later, is we almost want some of these guys to fall, right? I mean, some of these teams pick ten there to the Jets and pick eleven to the Commanders. Your guy, Drake London, you know, and I think Drake London has tremendous upside as well. Not a fantastic situation going to the Commanders. But you got Carson Wentz there who made Michael Pittman viable last year. I think Carson Wentz can, again, he's not going to make two guys fantasy relevant. He's not going to do that with London and Terry McLaurin. But Drake London is a guy that if he gets that, you know, top 12 draft capital is someone that definitely is going to start moving up draft boards. Yeah, if London does go to Washington, I will hate that for 2022. I will be fading him hard in redraft, uh, but he would still be my number one rookie wide receiver for Dynasty. 
I, I believe in his profile. I, he comps so well to a guy like T. Higgins, who we've seen be able to both go downfield and still get the yards after the catch. London is just an absolute monster. And, I mean, some of the some of the toe-tap type catches that we see him make in the end zone are just incredible. And, again, I would hate it, um, but I do think – or, excuse me, I would hate it for 2022. But Terry McLaurin's on the last year of his rookie deal – and then Carson Wentz, we'll see um, if they make a move in the 2023 draft to move up for a quarterback. So long-term, I would love London, but short-term, I would not like it. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I personally, I have Wilson above London when it comes to you know measurables and things like that, but both of them predict to be great wide receivers in the NFL. Another guy, and again, like I don't love the landing spot. I love the wide receiver. Chris Olave goes to the Philadelphia Eagles at 15. You know, they made some moves there. They got Miami's pick, and they take Chris Olave at 15. Chris Olave is a guy I absolutely love. But again, I mean, can Jalen Hurts make both Devonta Smith and Chris Olave relevant? I mean, that's that's the tricky part here, right? And this is the part where we've talked about with the 22 class. It's like it's it's tricky. They got to go to the right spots. I love Chris Olave for Dynasty, but I would not love him in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of summed it up there. Um, and then I, I love Jalen Hurts for redraft because of that rushing upside. Uh, but again, I don't know, like you said, that he's going to support two fantasy-relevant wide receivers well. Um, so yeah, certainly wouldn't love it for Olave or Devontae Smith uh, if that were to happen. Yeah, and I, I think it, it definitely, you know, I, I think Jalen Hurts surrounding him with weapons is a fantastic idea. It's just, I don't know how many guys he's going to support there. So it's an interesting kind of move, and it's it's fun to at least debate and talk about. Uh, at pick 18, the New Orleans Saints, another team that's obviously desperate for quarterbacks in this particular one. Now, they did sign Andy Dalton as a backup. They do have Jameis Winston. Here they take Matt Corral. Um, I really want to see what happens here with Michael Thomas with Jameis Winston getting, you know, his second year under his belt here in this, you know, with new Orleans. And now Michael Thomas comes back and they start to get some more weapons where last year it was almost like, all right, we're going to, Jameis Winston didn't make as many mistakes, but he didn't have any weapons at all. Like it was just hard to watch. And I think what they really need to do is they're, they're really looking for that next step. Then that quarterback into the future and Matt Corral is a decent pick here at 18, and I think it's it's something that is definitely worth monitoring. Not a lot to talk about there, though. The one that I'm excited about from this draft is pick 22. So we all know Green Bay and Kansas City obviously are in, and in need of a wide receiver, right? We moved Tyreek Hill, they moved Devontae Adams, and now Green Bay takes one of my favorite wide receivers in Jamison Williams, and... It's just a weapon there for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, he's, we know he's got a, he's a great quarterback. There is not a lot there in Green Bay. I mean, there, there's, there's Tunyon, there's Lazard. They desperately need someone to give him a shot in the arm. Yeah, and obviously I think Jameson Williams' draft stock in rookie drafts would shoot way up uh, if he goes to Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I have him in Tier 2 with Wilson Olave right now. Uh, but obviously landing in Green Bay or Kansas City, for that matter, uh, would push him up to my number two rookie-wide receiver. Um, at the same time, I would be a little hesitant to expect immediate contributions from him. We know that Rodgers needs some time to build rapport with his receivers, 
I mean, even Devontae Adams took a while to really develop and, you know, build that chemistry with Rodgers, right? Adams' initial production was pretty disappointing to the point where a lot of people gave up on him. So I think he's he would be overdrafted in redraft, mm-hmm. like some of these other wide receivers we've talked about so far. Obviously, I would still like Williams a lot in Dynasty. Jameson Williams is a guy that I think if he goes to KC, if he goes to Green Bay, I mean, obviously absolute track store he can fly but he did tear his acl in january you know during the college football playoffs and he they're saying he's above ahead of schedule in his rehab timeline but that part scares me a little bit because both of these guys are going to want someone to jump in day one you know and he has the talent to be the wide receiver one in this draft class or right up there with the other guys but he may miss some time in that rookie season you know you never know where they're going to be and i think both these guys are looking for instant playmakers because there's they need it. I mean, they need to be justified in trading Devontae Adams and trading Tyreek Hill that there's going to be a lot of pressure on whoever they take here, whoever those wide receivers are, and I think they're going to want a guy that's really ready to jump in there, you know, and and they to boost their quarterbacks and to continue their play, which should be very interesting to monitor. The next guy at pick 29 you guys know I absolutely love this player. I love this pick. Traylon Burks goes to Kansas City. Their, their pick that they got from Miami in the trade for Tyreek Hill. And I think this gives Patrick Mahomes another alpha wide receiver. You know, they, Juju's going to be good in the slot. Travis Kelsey's going to just get peppered this year. But if they can get Traylon Burks, who's fantastic in 50-50 balls, he's great at making things happen after the catch. I know you're not super wild about him, and I know some people are down on his on his 40 time running that 4455 four, four, but honestly he he plays faster than his 40 time he's looked fantastic in everything that I've seen and I absolutely love Traylon Burks going to the the Chiefs here yeah I, I'm not quite with you on this one um, I really wish Thor would have been able to make it on to this one because <laughs> I, I I don't know that this pick really makes sense for Kansas City from my perspective because Juju primarily is a slot guy, and so was Burks in college. And I, I don't know that, um, you know, they're going to transition him to the outside immediately wherever he goes. So, again, I, I don't know that he makes sense for the Chiefs. And if they do take him when they have Juju on the one year deal, I would be very reticent to take him um, or expect a lot of 2022 production. But I think overall, I'm just a lot lower on Burks than you. We were talking through text before we started recording this. And, you know, bear in mind, I'm still fairly new to watching film. I'm still learning a lot. And that's why I love having smart guests on to kind of bounce my thoughts off of them. But my early impression is that I was, I really am not sure what people were seeing when they were watching Burks on film. He reminded me, the comp that I gave you was Jordan Matthews. Um, kind of a, a slower, big slot guy. So I, I am not particularly sold on the fantasy ceiling for Burks here. And obviously going to Kansas City with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes would help his outlook. Um, but yeah, I, I would not love this pick for the well, Chiefs. Jamison Williams is the guy that I would absolutely love with the Chiefs. I mean, that feels like that would be an absolute home run, but he's not going to fall all the way to 29 or 30. You know, I mean, I have not seen anything that even remotely, that would give him that guy that matches Tyreek Hill type upside, a guy that has an absolute burner that could get things done. What I've been seeing a lot of is is this next guy going to the Chiefs, and that's Christian Watson. I mean, in this particular mock, I have Christian Watson going to Houston, 
you know, potentially as their wide receiver one, which is interesting, or wide receiver two behind Brandon Cooks. But Watson's a guy that I think would make a lot of sense for the Chiefs. He's a guy that that has that size, but he's someone who could definitely play on the outside. And he is someone that is absolutely just flown up draft boards since senior day. Senior Bowl, he's moved up from a guy that we were talking about being a fringe you know, day two guy, maybe a third rounder to now all of a sudden moving up to pick 37, which is absolutely huge for him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, and real quick before we move on to Watson, right, in the yeah. second round, uh, I wanted to point out that it, it's very possible that the Chiefs could trade up, right, or, or the Packers for that matter, um, given that they ha- they both have two first round and two second round picks. For sure. So, I, you know, that's something to bear in mind. Uh, we have the, as we... the pipe dream, right, of them moving up for Garrett Wilson or Drake London or Chris Olave, you know, and I, I think that that would be just perfect blends of just they, – they need to hit on wide receiver. I mean, there is no doubt about it that both those teams are going to be pressing. Yeah, and let's also not rule out the possibility that one or both of the Packers and Chiefs could even take two receivers, right, in the first and second rounds. Um, if they if they think that that's an area of need that's you know big enough where they need to spend two draft picks, but um, all right, let's move on to Christian Watson here to Houston. This really comes down to how you feel about Davis Mills, right? Because I think mm-hmm. Christian Watson has that athletic upside. Um, from what we've heard, he showed well at the Senior Bowl. The the big question is: Is Davis Mills the guy that we think he could be? Uh, because overall, the Houston offense isn't particularly exciting, especially if they hold on to Brandon Cooks. Uh, we just haven't seen enough from Mills to know if he can allow for those two wide receivers to both be fantasy relevant. But mm-hmm. certainly, you know, I like Watson a lot. He's got good hands, and he's actually a pretty good separator considering how big he is. So I, I think he's one of these guys where you just love that raw upside that he has. Um, so I, I think going to Houston would be a fairly solid spot with the expectation that Cooks will eventually move on. Yeah, I mean, I love Watson. 6'4", 208, you know, four three six forty, which was led all, and then he led all the combine participants with a broad jump of 11'4". I mean, he is a big play waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. If you match him with Rodgers or Mahomes, I'm super excited. If you watch him, match him with Mills, we'll see what happens. You know, and I, I am... I am super excited for the upside of this player. I think that definitely helps Davis Mills, and I think we we continue to move forward there. But they're they're in need of a lot of different weapons. I mean, they have a lot of draft capital. They're going to be moving around. Uh, the one the next one we have is Chicago, right? Chicago, Allen Robinson leaves. You know, right now there's not a lot going on there. You would think in free agency they would be trying to add weapons for Justin Fields and they do here in the draft with Jahan Dotson who is another burner from Penn State I think that gives you know Fields a weapon here that he is desperately needing in this offense yeah again this is a pick that I I don't know would really make sense to me because he actually reminds me a lot of Darnell Mooney who they already have on the roster right Mm -hmm. Um, I think they have that speed guy if anything I, I would think potentially they would target a guy like Watson instead if he were still available at that pick. Uh, whatever they do, I, I hope they get field some weapons, right? Because they right now to. it's Komet and Mooney, and, and really their offensive line is really bad. And, and that's right. one of the reasons that I've been 
uh, a few spots. I've always been ranking Fields a few spots lower than Lance is because of that supporting cast and just the uncertainty of whether the Bears organization is going to get this right the fourth, fifth, sixth time around looking for a franchise quarterback. So, yeah, I, I think it'd be fine if Dotson went there. Um, honestly, he's not a name that's particularly high in my pre-draft rankings right now. So I'll have to take a little bit more of a look into him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't love it just because I, I think they would play similar roles, Mooney and Dotson. And I just don't mm-hmm. know that there's, again, enough to go around. Yeah, I know. I was, And, again, I wish Thor was on here so we could kind of talk about some of these things. But for me, I mean, I saw – at, at pick 52, George Pickens was still there. I think Pickens is a guy that I would love to see in Chicago. Just a different type, like you said, than Mooney. Jahan Dotson's very similar there. But mm-hmm. he's not on here, so we're kind of doing our thing. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is we got a couple quarterbacks going off the board, right? So at pick 40, he has Seattle taking Desmond Ritter. And then at pick 43, he has Atlanta. Sam Howe going to Atlanta. Atlanta is in this weird situation as well as Seattle, right? I mean, we are looking at Drew Locke and Marcus Mariota potentially as a starter, and they, they're, they're going to need to t- obviously get some guys for the future. I think Sam Howell, I really like at that pick for Atlanta. You know, you got Marcus Mariota being able to start for the entire year and let Sam Howell groom a little bit. Desmond Ritter, I've seen move all over the board there. I think Seattle, again, is probably going to be desperate for that move to try to take someone and I think they're going to you know ultimately they have pick 40 and 41 so one of these quarterbacks will fall to that range yeah this is a really interesting pick to me because you know so far I've yelled at Thor for a couple of his wide receiver picks but uh, I I absolutely (laughs) respect him he knows probably 50 times more about college uh, prospects than I do I mean he watches so much college and I watch barely I don't watch barely any we're the um, trade guys, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. yo, you hit us up on trades. That's our expertise. But I mean, you're you're right. Like, it, I was not wild about, especially the Ritter picking there in Seattle. But he knows what he's talking about. Well, actually, I was gonna say I didn't agree with his wide, rec- a couple of his wide receiver picks, but I think Ritter to Seattle makes a ton of sense because he's shown some flashes. I don't think he's like a big play kind of guy, but. You know, that's kind of perfect for what Pete Carroll wants, right? He wants that more game manager type who's going to be okay with handing the ball off through a shot penny and then a play action pass here or there. I mean, there's a lot that I like about Ritter. And I think he's like, I don't know, sneaky good in terms of just being in the NFL for a long time. Like, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but he can work through progressions I mean, he's a good just overall prospect, and I think he makes a lot of sense for Seattle. So I actually love this landing spot, um, and I do think that he could beat out Drew Locke as soon as week one. I mean, we saw that the Seahawks aren't afraid to bench even a high-paid player if they're seeing what they saw you know, from Russell Wilson back in the day to just go with their gut and go with who's performing better in camp. And I think that Ritter could be a starter uh, day one if he does go to the Seahawks. It would definitely give him some sneaky super flex value. I think we're really going to have to pay attention to what happens with, with Ritter and Hal and guys in this second round and, and what the situation will be for them because a lot of them could get a chance to start earlier than possible. The pick that almost everybody, you know, I put this out there in, in the Patreon and some other guys, the pick that everyone hated the most is right next. 
pick 45, Baltimore taking Brees Hall. We all want Brees Hall. I mean, I don't know about you. In the Dynasty community, I'm seeing people saying RB5 already, and they're moving him way up. And I'm like, pump the brakes a little bit. We have a lot. We got to get that landing spot. If he goes to Buffalo, okay, let's see what happens. Baltimore is a tricky, tricky situation, right? Because And we had this with, with Jeff Bell as well. You know, he had, I believe... Brees Hall going to Baltimore, you know, or or CJ Spiller going to Baltimore. That is just going to, the J.K. Dobbins truthers are going to go crazy if this happens. Yeah, and honestly, I think it wouldn't shock me that much because I was a big proponent of Gus Edwards last season for both of those guys got hurt. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Baltimore has shown us time and again that they're perfectly fine with a committee backfield. Basically, they just care about running the ball a ton, and they don't really care who it is. So, you know, I don't know that they would reach for all necessarily when they do have Dobbins and Edwards coming back. Um, but obviously, if that were to happen, it certainly caps Brees Hall's upside a little bit, and it would mm-hmm. tank J.K. Dobbins' value. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, and I, I've been saying this, and I think almost every Twitter trade I'm out there, like, we are putting J.K. Dobbins back to his ceiling for value. I mean, people are paying boatloads for J.K. Dobbins. A lot of people have moved him inside their top eight dynasty running backs, 10 dynasty running backs, and I'm just like, we do not know the situation there. I'm not buying in yet, you know, and I'm, I'm going to avoid that. But at pick 55, this is where I would start to get interested. Arizona taking Kenneth Walker. Very interesting. I mean, James Conner does sign his three-year deal here, so it definitely caps some upside. But Kenneth Walker is a running back that I absolutely love, and I think this would kind of put them in that similar type situation. Arizona looking to win now. Kenneth Walker would be a great pick for them. Yeah, and I think Walker and Hall are close enough in talent where this would clearly RB1 in the rookie draft for me overall if they go to Baltimore and Arizona. I think so too, and the, but everyone seems to have Brees Hall. I mean, you remember when we had Matt Hicks on, and he was saying he compared him to David Montgomery. You know, he felt like he was in that area, David Montgomery to to Josh Jacobs type, and people just want to move him up into that. I mean, I'm seeing people that saying all the way up as top five. You know, and there some people are like, oh, he's this year's Jonathan Taylor. There is no Jonathan Taylor in this running back class. I mean, I just don't see it. Wait till next year. Yes, I, I think it's just the 4-3 effect. Um, you know, mm-hmm. somebody runs a sub 4-4, four, four, uh, it feels like their pre-draft stock shoots way up. But, I mean, so did Kenneth Walker. Yeah. So I, again, I have these guys pretty close where, um, you know, I'm not too concerned about James Conner because, one, he's a short-term deal. And, two, last year was really the first time we stay healthy for a large part of the season and I'm, I'm still a little skeptical of that so I, I would love love to see Walker in Arizona next we have it looks like Dallas taking another wide receiver Wandale Robinson which I think you know you get a 511 185 type wide receiver in there a guy who's a key deep target to stretch things out I think that only benefits Gallup and Lamb more you know kind of stretches the field a little bit I think Wandale Robinson would be a guy who I think, you know, goes to Dallas and definitely has some upside, but I think it would be capped as far as dynasty goes with those other two wide receivers. 
I'm actually kind of on the other side here because we don't know that Gallup's going to be ready to start the season or if he's going to be 100%. Um, I think there's an opening in the slot right away for Wandale if you were to go to Dallas, and he would take away a little bit from Dalton Schultz, I would say. Um, but overall, I think getting paired up with Dak Prescott would be a net win for him. I, I like Gallup, but I don't think I'm quite as high on him uh, as some others that I've seen. So I do like this landing spot for Robinson. I think he's got great hands, solid route runner, and he would contribute day one for the Cowboys offense. Very good. Moving next pick, 57. Buffalo takes Calvin Austin the third. Every year there's someone that we compare to Tyreek Hill for what they do their speed, their athleticism, and and he's the guy that they seem to be doing that now. I mean, running a four two nine or four three two, absolutely. You know, he has shot up boards. We love speed in the NFL. Any kind of weapon we can put there in Buffalo is going to get comp that way. But he has really moved up post combine here, and is someone that it, again, people that are into speed are getting super excited. Um, I think. I think you just, the more weapons you give Josh Allen, he's not going to move any further up, but absolutely love the Buffalo offense. Yeah. And look, I, I'm probably not as high on Gabriel Davis as a lot of people either. Um, so I How think this you? would be. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I would love, love this landing spot, right? I mean, Jamison Crowder is a, is a temporary measure. Um, I don't know that Isaiah McKenzie was signed for more than a, a special teams role and occasional snaps on offense. We did see, a, you know, a huge game from McKenzie when Cole Beasley was out there. So I, mm-hmm. I think McKenzie's someone to keep an eye on still. Maybe uh, you know that end of the end of the bench uh, stash, if you will. But I mean, Calvin Austin to Buffalo with Josh Allen would be a huge, huge boost to his draft stock just for the raw upside that he would have. Yeah. And I've been stashing McKenzie cause you could, the writing was on the wall with Cole Beasley, but Calvin Austin as a guy, the third guy in that offense, that would be exciting. Uh, we have pick 59 and we're almost done with the second round here. I'm excited to get to this mock draft, but pick 59 green Bay takes Trey McBride. Trey McBride is clearly my tight end one in this class. I think that gives them another great option there where, Green Bay's going to have to run it a little bit more with Devontae Adams leaving. You get another great tight end in there. They brought, you know, they, they re-signed Tunyon. Now all of a sudden, Trey McBride, he is a guy that I'm seeing some some mock drafts having sneaking into the back end of the first round. I really like him as a day two option, and I think Green Bay would be a home run for him. Yeah, that would be interesting because, again, I think he's got good hands and he's a decent route runner as a receiver. Um, I just don't know that there's a ton of fantasy upside for him in Green Bay because, Mm -hmm. again, I'm not sold on Tunyon either coming back from the ACL, but he does have that leg up in terms of rapport with Rodgers. And then depending on if they're taking a receiver as well in the first round, whether that's Williams or somebody else, um, I think he's fine. He'd be like a Pat Fryermuth type, you know, low end mm-hmm. tight end one, high end tight end two. Uh, but I wouldn't go crazy. And the last pick that we have here in the second round is skill position players. This will be our third running back in the second round, which I think we definitely got to pay attention to. It would be Isaiah Spiller going to Tampa Bay. Again, very similar to Arizona. That's like where we want our guys to go. CJ Spiller would be a premium secondary back, obviously going above Keyshawn Vaughn with Ronald Jones leaving. I think 
this would put Isaiah Spiller in a, in a category kind of there with Kenneth Walker, where if, if something were to happen to Connor, if something were to happen to Fournette, both of these guys would be instant RB2s and, and their stock would go up immediately. Yeah, I think the difference for me is that I view higher injury risk for Connor. Certainly Fournette's missed time, but um, I, I would think Spiller would be a, a high upside. Uh, like he's better than Chuba Hubbard, but he would be kind of how I viewed Chuba Hubbard last year, right? Just landing mm-hmm. in Carolina. Um, because I do think long-term there are some concerns in that by the time um, they choose to move on from Fournette, Brady's likely gone as well. And, and, you know, what does the offense look like at that point? So I, I think Spiller would be in that, you know, back end of the first round of rookie drafts, and I think that's yeah. about right for him. And Tampa Bay would be a fine landing spot, just nothing to get crazy excited about. Exactly. I would like to see one of them go to Atlanta, you know, and, and get a shot right off the bat, but it doesn't, it feels Atlanta has that pick 58 and both these guys are going in that 50, 60 range Ugh, get, behind that offensive line. <laughs> you just want a guy who's getting touches. Let's, let's touch a little bit on the third round. And we got some guys like Sky Moore to Jacksonville, David Bell, who I absolutely love, but hate the landing spot to the giants. Uh, Jerome Ford going to Atlanta. We got John Mechie going to Cleveland. I mean, this this is going to be exciting, but the more I look at this, the more I'm like even more excited for 2023. You know, like I'm not super wild on some of these landing spots. I'm not so you know, and we all get so excited about rookie drafts, right? But let's say three quarters of these guys don't go where we want them to go. You know, like in this mock draft. Now we get into a situation where it's like, eh, you know, what are we going to do? And you might have overpaid to get into those situations. And I think. I'm starting to see a lot that a lot of teams doing that in our in in some of our dynasty leagues right now. Yeah, I think the problem with this um, rookie wide receiver class is there's a lot of contributors for NFL teams, but I, I don't see a ton of elite fantasy producers like we saw from Chase and Waddle last year. Uh, nobody with that kind of top five upside, no. right? I mean, the most is, is obviously Higgins, or excuse me, I can't keep. You keep going Higgins. in your uh, head. Drake, you already have it Drake mixed London, in there. Yeah, yeah Drake London, uh, you know, Wilson, Alave, Williams, these guys. I, I do think that they have that upside, but I don't know that the class is super deep. Uh, I will throw out, though, that I, I like Sky Moore a lot. I know people are coming around on him. Um, oh, for sure. Just, he can run pretty much any route that you need him to. Uh, you know, certainly not, not a burner, but uh, overall, like, he's another guy that I would love to see maybe in Buffalo, right? Uh, Just somewhere where he's not necessarily going to be the number one, but he'll be in an efficient offense and can make that kind of impact day one. Love it. Glad you talked about Chase because we're going to do our little, we have a top 12 wide receivers from this year and last year's class combined. I lucked out with the first pick, so it was pretty darn obvious. It's Jamar Chase. You know, this time last year, you and I were gushing about Jamar Chase unlike anybody we've talked about before, unlike anybody in this class, even close. And I mean, that's why he's, we talked about moving him so high last year that we both have him clearly as our wide receiver one in dynasty. There's not a lot we have to talk about on top of Jamar Chase. He is a smash, you know, number one overall wide receiver period. So you get the second pick. It's kind of tough to follow up on that. Hit your guy. Yeah, and really not a whole lot to say about Chase. I don't think anyone's uh, arguing with us. No, on we don't. That one. We don't, there's no debate. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, I, 
in, the, in these two combined classes, it's still Jalen Waddle for me. Uh, I understand that the short-term ceiling is somewhat capped now with Tyreek Hill there. Uh, but based on his profile and what we saw him do as a rookie, I think he still has that elite ceiling long-term. And, you know, we've already heard Mike McDaniel talk about how he's going to get his guys into space. And mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any exact roles for these guys just yet. I know he talked just today about how he wanted to use Hill, kind of like Debo Samuel. But I, I think people are taking that quote the wrong way, thinking that they're going to put Hill in the in the backfield and all that. I, I think all he's saying is, He's going to get his playmakers into space to allow them to really create those yards after the catch. And that's all you can ask for, for guys like Hill and Waddle. So again, I think the target share and the production upside is a little bit capped short term, but Waddle's still my number two behind Chase out of these two combined rookie classes. Let's talk a little bit about Waddle because this is something where a lot of people, I mean, I recently traded him, and, and you and I talked about it, but I traded him for Michael Pittman and an early 23 first. Some people have moved him down considerably. You know, I was listening to Dynasty Nerds, and they moved him from, like, wide receiver 10 all the way down to wide receiver 17. I'm seeing people, I mean, on, on the Dynasty trade calculator, he's moved down to an equivalent of a 23 first in actual, like, value. I mean, I still think we're looking at a supremely talented wide receiver it's just a matter of how much is he, you know, gonna coincide with with Tyreek Hill. But where did you move him to in your dynasty ranks? Because I feel like, depending on which side you're looking at here, I mean, I think he's still a value. Yeah, well, it depends on the starting point, right? So for me, I believe pre, um, I believe pre Tyreek Hill trade, he was my wide receiver four in dynasty. Uh, yeah. just behind A.J. Brown. And I, I've only moved him down to basically wide receiver five, wide receiver six. So I haven't moved him down a ton. Um, but overall in my rankings, I've moved him down quite a few spots. So behind guys like McCaffrey, Barkley, Swift, uh, Cooper Cup. So he's he's in that um, early first range in terms of like rookie picks. I in this class, mm-hmm. again, I think Hall is the only one I would take over Waddle. Maybe London, uh, if he, if London goes to like Kansas City or Green Bay, then I, I think he would um, move up over Waddle for me. But yeah, overall, I have not moved Waddle down in positional rankings. Just overall. Yeah, I mean, I've moved him from, I think I had him at wide receiver 6, 7. I've moved him down closer to 12, but he's still in my wide receiver 1 status. But I think... The thing to take away from this, Mung, is in this class, I have seen on Twitter people giving up Jalen Waddle for the 104, 105, and I feel like that should be a buy unless we get some absolute dream landing spots. I think the talent of Jalen Waddle is better than any of the wide receivers in this class right now. Yeah, maybe in Superflex, I could see like 104 for him, depending on how some of these QBs shake out in the NFL draft. Um, but yeah, definitely in one quarterback, I would still value him around the 1.02. Yeah. My next pick, I have pick three. I know you don't like it already, but the Chiefs taking Traylon Burks, I absolutely love. I feel like it's a situation where Andy Reid can get him involved, like Debo Samuel. I know he's a guy that, you know, 66 receptions, 1,100 yards, four, and, and just a touchdown machine with 12 touchdowns last year. 
6'2 to 6'4, depending on where you read it, 225. And he is a guy that I think could absolutely be unleashed in that Kansas City offense. I think I'm bumping him up above, you know, London and Wilson if he goes to the Chiefs. I feel like the rest of the dynasty community will as well because we know whoever goes to that Chiefs, whoever goes to the Packers, they're going to get bumped up big time. And he's my pick three here. Yeah, again, I just I don't really see it um, because if, if they're going to keep Juju in the slot and try to bump Burks outside, I, I we didn't really see him consistently win outside in college. A lot of his his pit his bigger plays were when he was able to kind of get open from the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I know the forty time is everything, but I don't know that the speed is there either. Uh, really, uh, he's a big slot guy, and I think he can be fine. He can be, you know, flex worthy wide receiver three in fantasy. But well, I, I'm not seeing, you know, the upside that you really want when you're drafting a wide receiver in the early first round of a rookie draft. His alignment was all over, though. It wasn't strictly slot, but I will agree, most of his his damage was done. He is really good with the 50-50 balls. If you're watching the tape, I mean, that is sure. fantastic. But it's his physicality and his run after the catch prowess that makes him that where it's a guy that you're going to want to use in the slot, a guy that gets open quickly and can make things happen after the catch. And I understand what you're saying about that 40 time, but we've seen it in the past too, where a guy that once he gets into space, I think, I think I'm excited for trailing Burks. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that because we're getting towards the, the hour mark. And I know you got to get pick four in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, dissect. Him Absolutely. There's more. Uh, I mean, it's Drake London for me, right? Obviously, like we said, don't love the landing spot in this mock to Washington, but still just absolute monster. I mean, anywhere he goes, I I do think he becomes the number one, right? Unless he were to go to like Miami or the Raiders, but that's not going to happen. So I I think London both will be a day one contributor in long term. I, I think he can be a number one wide receiver for a team. Uh, again, you know, I just, I, I love London. I don't know what else to say. Like, I love Lamp. <laughs> you're you're, you're uh, already mixing him up with T. Higgins. I love it. See, you, you fall in with, love with your guy, and I'm not huge on London and my guy's Burks, but the guy that's next is the guy that I think really has moved up the most. I mean, Thor's first rock, mock draft, he had Traylon Burks at 10. Now, all of a sudden, Garrett Wilson's all the way up there at 10, and I think Garrett Wilson is the most complete wide receiver in this class. I think his body control, his ball skills, I mean, he's dynamic after the catch, quick and elusive. I think with the right situation, this is a guy, these are the only three wide receivers in this class that I think right off the bat have that that immediate upside. Garrett Wilson is someone that I'm definitely interested. I think he's going to go too early in rookie drafts. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of shares of him, but I am excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I like Wilson a lot. Like, like I said, I have him in that tier two just behind London. Um, as of right now, pre-draft, uh, he's probably either two or three for me. So, yeah, lo- love your pick at five. Um, my, you know, my pick at six is in this mock, the other Jets receiver at this point then, Elijah Moore, because we did see a lot from him as a rookie. He had some big games when he was healthy before he got injured. And really, again, my feel is that the Jets would go more defense and O-line in the first round of this draft. So we'll see what happens. And that's why I have Elijah Moore very high in my dynasty rankings right now. Again, that would drop a little bit if Wilson were to go there. But 
yeah, I mean, I think that would just, like we said before, be a net positive for Zach Wilson. Uh, next, I go with, you know, we, we talked about him again, and we know Chris Olave was potentially going there. Um, <laughs> but the Eagles, Devonta, Devonta Smith. I mean, I think he showed some flashes this year. I mean, it was 64 catches for 900 yards, almost 1,000 yards as a rookie, and we're not really talking about it, and five touchdowns. He has... A little bit of durability issues, but the the talent is there for an elite wide receiver. And is that going to happen in twenty twenty two? Maybe not with Jalen Hurts, you know. But if 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 we get the right quarterback situation, I think we would have an opportunity here where Devonta Smith has the ceiling. He has the upside of being a wide receiver one. I've been hearing a couple other dynasty podcasts having him inside their top twelve, you know. And I think that is in the range of outcomes. If he didn't have Jalen Hurts, you know, if we move him into another situation, we move him to Green Bay, smash, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'd like Devontae Smith, but like I said, I'm just not sold on Jalen Hurts, and we talked about his frame when he first came out last offseason. That's something that scared me a little. Again, I think he's fine, but if in, in this mock Olave were to go to Philly, I would not have Devontae Smith quite this high. Um, mm-hmm. So you took him at seven. I know. As soon Go as ahead. I saw that, I, I got a little worried, right? Because I was like, I have Devonta Smith. I'm like, these guys are going to cancel each other out a little bit here because I think the allure of Devonta Smith is, you know, yeah, they have Dallas Goddard, but as him as the wide receiver one, that is the big allure there, right? It's still going to be a run first team in Philadelphia. If they take a wide receiver there, that's going to definitely cap him. Yeah, and the other thing is I, it depends on the receiver too, right? Because I like Alave enough where I think he would be my projected 1A in Philly, if not week one eventually. Um, so really it depends on which receiver too. So uh, at eight, I'm going to take Jameson Williams, uh, especially if he were to go to Green Bay like in this mock. Again, I have him in that tier with uh, Olave and Wilson right behind London, and this would propel him up. Uh, to my number two rookie wide receiver spot and obviously uh, you know would land in a solid situation with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball um, can't really argue with that with my pick and we're at the ninth pick here I'm taking Amon Ross St. Brown I think we've seen enough from him as a rookie that I feel like you know in most rookie drafts I have him slotted between 108 and 110 based on your on your team need here but I think Amon Ross St. Brown I'm 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 starting to believe more in the talent than just the situation. You know, when it before I dove into it, I was like, all right, Hawkinson was out, Swift is out. If Malik Willis goes to Detroit, I think Jared Goff is gonna get a lot more starts this year. And I think that definitely props up Amon Rasain Brown and continues the hype going into the following season there. And I think that would be the time to sell him. You know, if we get Jared Goff and they start out really well for the first six to, to eight games. We might be able to sell him for a little bit more than we are even right now. Yeah, and then right behind there, I would take Chris Olave, who we just kind of talked about a little bit. But I mean, just one of the best route runners in this class. Uh, again, a guy who I think can contribute uh, week week one, right when he steps on the field. And just again, I I don't love that he would go to the Eagles with Hurts. Because I don't know that Hertz is the most accurate guy to pair up uh, Olave with, but long term, um, I would still like him. It sounds like the Eagles were interested, or at least uh, you know, in some talks for 
Wilson and Watson before those deals happen. So depending on how Jalen Hurts looks in 2022, either he develops a little bit more and, hey, that's great for Smith and Olave, or if he looks, you know, pretty bad, then I do think they would target a quarterback in 2023, at which point it's still a net positive for both Smith and Olave. And pick 11 here, again, another situation where I love the player more than I love the situation. And everybody that, that I talk to, you know, I, I end up fading him way too far, but it's Rashad Bateman. You know, he was a, a late first-round pick last year by the Baltimore Ravens. I think, you know, there was definitely some situations here where is Lamar Jackson going to be able to keep anybody other than Mark Andrews and, and, and Hollywood Brown happy? I mean, it is, this isn't an offense where I think we get three guys super involved in the offense in the passing game. Could it be a top 36 wide receiver? I think so. I think the talent is there where he's someone who, you know, could easily pass Hollywood Brown on the depth chart at some point. But it's just, I, I, I have faith that the offensive coordinator can scheme guys open, but I don't think the volume is enough to get three guys involved in that offense. Yeah, and really that's one of my um, concerns with Bateman is that we didn't, I mean, we saw flashes from him as a rookie, but we didn't really see him step up. And again, their their pass percentage, their pass rate was so much higher than the last couple of seasons because basically their entire defense was hurt. And I really mm-hmm. do think that they're going to go back to a more run-heavy approach this year. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a little bit concerned about Bateman, but uh, someone Dynasty that... Twitter's wild on him. I mean, there's so many guys out there that they're like, oh, if you watch the tape, you know, and you see he passes the field test and he passes the eye test, but I'm like, but he's still in that Ravens offense where he's going to be that third read. Even if he's a second read, we're not looking at an elite ceiling. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm not sold on Bateman. I'll put it that way. Yes. Um in fact, I would actually consider this guy who I'm about to take in this mock at pick 12, um, the final pick here, uh, Kadarius Tony. I, I think that we saw some dominance from him in a very small sample size. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, actually, I think it was just a couple of days ago, um, Matthew Betts uh, tweeted out over at um, Fantasy Points, uh, I think Kadarius Tony was second in yards per route run behind only Jamar Chase um, mm-hmm. among the rookie wide receivers last year. And again, that's a Not very a lot of small routes sample either, size, though. right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have a, a little bit of off-field concerns, but that, that's pretty impressive given how big of a mess the Giants were last year, right? Yeah. And part of the reason that I'm a little bit higher on Kadarius Tony is the higher of Brian Dable coming over from Buffalo. I mean, he's helped build a strong offense there. And and the jury is certainly still out on Daniel Jones. But uh, I, I love that even today the report came out that Dable was talking about how he watched film of Tony at, at, when he was still in college at Florida. And he wants input from his wide receivers asking Galladay and Tony, you know, what kind of routes do you guys like to run? You know, what what do you guys think is your strength? and really incorporating that into the offense. So I do think that he has, um, well, he has the draft capital. No one really expected them to get at that point. Uh, but, you know, also with Dable in town, I do think that the entire offense could be a lot more efficient in 2022. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love the the situation there with Dable. I, I just, you know, 
if we, I, I don't think the talent is the same. If we talk about Bateman being with the Giants, we talk about guys there. It's like that is an opportunity where they have to grow, where it's an offense that's going to be a little bit more, hopefully, moves in the right direction. So, hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, we wanted to just cover, I've been getting a lot of questions. We're like, hey, how do you compare this guy versus that guy? You know, how do you compare Devonta Smith to to you know Jamison Williams how do these guys compare we wanted to throw that out there a little bit go over you know Thor's mock and kind of go over hit you up with some of that information so Mung before we close out why don't you tell everybody what you're working on and where they can find you yeah you guys know you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung that's M-E-N-G like I said I've been updating uh, my dynasty rankings both one quarterback and super flex almost on a daily basis with all the off-season moves that have been happening in free agency. But also, um, you know, I have a series of articles out talking about the winners and losers of free agency. The two quarterback articles are out. I believe wide receivers will be next. So you guys can check all that out at FantraxHQ.com. Yeah, guys, and I got to encourage you, Smash Except 5 is going to be opening up. You know, we only have right now we're going to be doing that invitation basis on guys. So hit us up in the DMs. If you guys are interested, you know, we want to get the best of the best. We have four of them filled. They've been great so far. The group chats are incredibly detailed. You guys are always, we, we've combined all four of the leagues so everybody can talk and have a good time. So thanks again, guys, and enjoy the process.